Welcome to episode 88 of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. On today's episode, I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Susan Niebergall. Now, Susan is 60 years old and is in the best shape of her life. She got into that incredible shape starting in her 50s. She just wrote a book all about her journey, Fit at Any Age, It Is Never Too Late. And today, we're going to talk about that book. We're going to talk about Susan's journey. We're going to talk about how you can do it too. And you're even going to have a chance to win a free copy of her book. Let's go. Hello, Susan. Hello. Thanks so much for joining me. Of course, of course, of course. So before we get started, anybody who's listened to my podcast for a bit or follows me on social media has probably had some introduction to you, but why don't you give us a brief introduction for those of who are new to you? Sure, sure. Um, I'm Susan Niebergall of Susan Niebergall Fitness and uh, co-coach in Site Fitness Inner Circle. And I am a um, 60-year-old strength coach who um, basically yo-yo dieted for three decades or more. <laughs> I guess it sounds like a lot of time, but it, you know, it, when you think about it, it, it was a lot of time. Um, I was never that obese person, but I was always that person that had to lose some weight. You know, I was always heavy. And I think back, back then, that's what people said. You were heavy, <laughs> not mm-hmm. fat. You were heavy. Right. Um, um, yeah. And I, I, I literally just wrote a book about all the issues that I went through, all the struggles that I had, um, and how I turned it all around in, in my mid fifties, just to kind of, you know, lead the way and, and with the message that you have as well, that it's never too late to change. Right. Um, I'm holding that book right here in my hand right now, everybody. There you go. Susan showing her guns on the cover of this book, fit at any age. It's never too late. That is no small accomplishment, Susan, to write a book. No, it was not a small accomplishment. And it, I almost quit many times along the way. <laughs> Why yeah. did you decide to write the book? What, what was the driving force? What was your point? The point was to show people, man, you're not alone. Like I made all those mistakes, every single one of them. And there's a bunch of them in there. And some of them are bigger than others. You know what I mean? But just little things that we thought growing up were true and that you, you followed along certain paths and, um, they ended up not being good, not accurate. Um, but just the whole point of, yeah, I screwed up too. I made all these mistakes too. And I still changed it around. You, you know, like it doesn't matter. I guess the point is, the point is it doesn't matter how many times you make a mistake, how, how long this takes, whatever. You keep after it. You surround yourself with the right people. You, you get the right information and you start applying it consistently. You can change anything at any age. That was just kind of the bottom line. Just, and, and just to, to make people feel like, you know, you're not alone. Like, gosh, people in our generation, we all did s- s- weird stuff, you know? And <laughs> I mean, we all did. Our and attempts I, at weight loss are many and varied and wacky. So it's interesting because the feedback that I've gotten from the book has been phenomenal. And the most common thing I hear is I was nodding my head the whole way through. Like, oh my God, yes. Oh my God, I remember that. I did that too. It was a lot of that. And then hope at the end, which was the entire point of why. And people might be surprised by how much they nod along if they don't know you, if they just look at you and maybe see you briefly, right? I bet people make a whole lot of assumptions based on how you appear. What assumptions do people make about you, Susan? Um, the, the biggest one is that I must work out for hours and hours and hours, right? Yeah. Like I, I must. 
and that my nutrition must be so dialed in to the minute littlest detail that life can't be fun. Like I've had, I I posted about this a while ago. I'm going to repost it again. A, A nutritionist who literally made those kind of assumptions about me in a post on, on Instagram and somebody brought it to my attention and it was kind of like, wow. Um, just from a picture, she assumed all of these things. I must be eating basically nothing. And I was having to dial it in and my workouts must be hours and hours on end. And I must spend every day in the gym. And it's like, it's nothing like that. As you know, I mean, it's nothing like that. And then, you know, the steroid thing gets thrown around every now and again. I I haven't heard that in a while, but I'm sure that'll pop up eventually again. I bet people look at you and think there's a woman who's always been fit. Oh, there's a woman who's never struggled with her weight. Mm -hmm. She's genetically gifted. Fitness comes easy to you. You've never been intimidated by the gym, right? Don't you think people look at you and think all of those things? Every single one of them. And what's the irony here is um, I have obesity on one side of my family, heart disease in my family. Um, So genetically, I don't have those gifts. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was not a sports girl, so I didn't play sports growing up. I was a musician. You love sports, but you don't play sports. I love sports. And people assumed I played sports because of that. Because I could talk to guys about football and plays and I was knowledgeable. So people assumed, I mean, I did play flag football. I take that back in my twenties. I was on a flag co-ed flag football team. I crushed on that just because my knowledge of football was pretty great. Um, but that wasn't like a sport, right? I didn't do any sports. I was a musician and that was what I did. So yeah, I mean, people assume that I, I've just been lucky enough to have the ability to do this and I'm a klutz. I mean, <laughs> so yeah, I don't have any of that. I am just an average person who was averagely overweight a lot of her life. You know, I was called tank as a kid, chubby. Um, I was heavy, you know, um, what was the other word? Husky. Was that a word when we were younger? Yeah. That was clothes, right? That was a word that was literally on clothing. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All that. That was all me. Yeah. So I was never the, I needed to lose like 150 pounds. That was never me. Okay, so tell people, and this is in the book, guys. So you're going to get a full rundown in the book, but kind of hit on some of the highlights, Susan. How did you get from there, right? Not obese, but kind of overweight, not particularly athletic, um, more musicians to somebody who's now a trainer, super in shape, very strong, very fit. How did you go from there to here? Give us the, the cliff notes version. Yeah, the, the cliff notes. I, I joined a gym and started doing classes. That's where all of it started. And and actually, even rewinding before that, I did a stint of jazzercise, which I wrote about in the book, which I couldn't write a lot about because I don't remember a lot about it for probably a good reason. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> you blocked that out. <laughs> it wasn't my cup of tea. But uh, really, the love started with these classes I went to at this gym. Um, they were aerobic space classes, stepish kind of things with some little weight stuff at the end. The community piece is what kept me going back. Mm-hmm. It's like how CrossFit does it. Orange Theory does it. They all do that really well. So did this gym and these classes as it does for a lot of people, actually. Mm-hmm. That's what gets people in the door. Um, and that's what got me in the door, kept coming back and where the classes were, I could see the free weight section. And I just started paying attention over there and started getting very curious and Tried to go over there myself a couple of times, made a bunch of stupid mistakes there almost and almost didn't go back because of, of an incident that happened in there. Um, and it's kind of everyone's worst nightmare of gym intimidation. You find the one asshole that will actually come up and say something to you when most of the people in there are like, you go girl, you know, um, overcame that, got a trainer. And that's where it kind of 
the 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 working out piece propelled. Mm-hmm. I started working with a trainer there, and after that, for years, I would work with different trainers all along the way. And the interesting part about that was that none of them put the whole package with nutrition together, none Mm, of them. mm -hmm. And so while I was gaining strength and I was loving being in the gym and learning how to lift and things like that, um, I never really could see progress from any of that just because the the nutrition piece wasn't there. And it's a classic case of you can't out train, you know, any kind of diet, whether you want to say bad, good, whatever, it doesn't matter. You, that has to be priority for you. Um, and, and it wasn't for me because I didn't know, right? I thought eating clean was cool. I thought that was it, <laughs> you know, the whole eating clean thing. And I did that for a long time. Um, but, you know, it didn't, it, it all kind of just did this. I would lose a little bit, gain some more back. I just bounced back and forth um, and never had it down for so long until probably six years ago when I started working with Jordan. And, um, you know, I didn't go to him for nutrition because, you know, he does that. And I was not interested at the time because I thought, what age is this? 54? Yeah, I think it was. He and I talk about that. I'm not, I, we think so. <laughs> we think so. Um, I think um, right before that, I had gone to my doctor thinking, oh, it's my metabolism. I went through that whole route. And I talk about that a lot in the book about how I blamed that. And my doctor set me straight very nicely. She set me straight, but um, she did. And that was a big life-changing moment for me. I had to sit with that. I had to accept it, that I wasn't doing things right. And when I started doing that, I did make, I did implement some all changes, just more what awareness. Kind of things did you start doing? Just awareness, uh, not eating as much, just portions were smaller. I mean, it wasn't anything drastic. I didn't track, I didn't do anything yet. Um, and I started seeing some change. I mean, it's crazy what you can do when you become aware of what's happening. I mean, it was, it's textbook, right? And then, then that's when I signed on with Jordan. And that's why I didn't sign on with nutrition. Cause I thought, oh, I know, I know what I'm doing now. <laughs> <laughs> and I really didn't, but you know, as, as you, as you do too, I mean, I was reading everything he wrote and I watched everything he, he recorded and I started applying stuff from him, but not, and then he and I would start talking about it. And then it got to be more, you know, he was coaching me through everything. Um, and that's kind of where it changed when you finally get information that you can grasp, that you can actually apply, um, mm-hmm. and apply it you have to actually apply it and you have to actually be consistent about it. And, you know, I, I know that's your message too. That's my message. That's his message. I mean, we all message that consistency with anything It's you know, if you don't, if you're not consistent with something, you're not going to have success. And we all think we're being way more consistent than we're being. Um, yeah. So it was a little, you know, it's honesty, right? Absolutely. So Susan, you mentioned clean eating you and I have a heck of a lot in common down to the fact that our sons share a oh birthday, which has been oh so crazy. Yeah, so that's crazy. Right? Yeah. Weird things we have in common. One way that we differ is that you come solidly from this clean eating kind of club. And I was from the, like, my diet is just craptastic all the way through my twenties and thirties. <laughs> right. So for all the women listening who are diehard clean eaters, talk about how you left the clean eater club and what effect that that has had on you physically and emotionally. Yeah. You know, clean eating. I mean, we thought, well, what's wrong with that? Right. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, obviously clean, whatever that means to people. I mean, it's great nutrient dense foods, obviously really, 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 really good thing to eat most of. Right. But the problem was, um, you know, I was paying zero attention to portion sizes. So I talk about this one particular place that our family would dine a local little restaurant where I would order this 
thing that sounded really healthy. It was grilled chicken pasta with some pesto, whatever. I'm thinking, cool, there's no like Alfredo sauce. There's none of that stuff. I'm getting this really healthy meal. I would eat the whole thing. It was huge. You know, I, I didn't, I wasn't thinking that, oh my gosh, this is, I, I shouldn't be eating all of this. I don't need all of this. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know how much protein I was eating. I wasn't even thinking in that way. Right. Um, I just knew it was healthy. And so because of that, it had to be good. And that and almonds were, were a big thing for me back, especially when I worked in the school almonds, you know, you walk by here, grab a handful, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then later on, you're walking by, you're going to grab another handful because you're hungry. Right. Cause I was, I was not, I had no concept of balancing out my meals. I was doing, I did a phase of slim fast for a while and uh, I was hungry. Of course I would be hungry if I'm doing that. Um, so clean eating was one of those things that, um, it's not a bad thing, but when you, when you do it in, in lieu of paying attention to other things, I think that it's going to end up making you spin your wheels just like it did me. Clean food has calories. And those count just as much as calories from a donut counts, right? I mean, as we all know. And so I think um, when when I started getting my act together, um, when I started working with Jordan, um, all that started making sense to me now. Oh, I can have that cupcake that I turned down for so many years at these birthday gatherings at school. And it's not going to kill my progress. You know, those calories, I can keep track of those the same way I can keep track of that big meal that I had that was clean, full of nutrients, um, whatever at that restaurant, you know, that was probably 1200 calories in that meal, you know, and that was dinner. So think of what I'd eaten all, you know, up to that point. Um, so you just learn, right. That, that you don't have to, first of all, be in this bubble because that's what it was for me. I was in a food bubble. It was prison. I, th- mm-hmm. I really thought clean. You had your was- list of foods you could eat and the ones you couldn't eat. Yeah. And that stemmed from, and I truly believe this is true for a lot of us growing up. I really feel like our generation, we, we were brought up with a couple of things that were black and white. One was good food and bad food. There was mm-hmm. food that was good for us and food that wasn't good for us. And you could say good for not only from a nutrient perspective, but even from, Ooh, you shouldn't eat that. Cause that's going to make you a little fat. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think our generation was brought up that way. The same thing with the scale. I feel like we were brought up with, if the scale goes up, that's bad. If it goes down, it's good. There was no talk about what's actually happening and why it actually fluctuates three pounds to five pounds in a day. You know, it was just either it's up. Oh my God, it's bad. Or those are strongly down. rooted beliefs in the women I coach. You know, we both coach middle, a lot of middle-aged yeah. women and those beliefs are really just deeply entrenched in their brains, right? So the scale goes up a little bit and it takes quite a while for some of them to understand no matter what they do, no matter how perfect they're being with their diet, the scale is still going to have these spikes. It's really hard for them to comprehend that. Just like it's really, really tricky for them to get a hold of the fact that they can have the cupcake and still lose weight, right? It yeah. takes a lot of practice and actually watching it. Okay, what happens? I'm gonna eat the cupcake. I'm gonna stay in my calories. And wow, I'm still losing weight. It takes a bunch of times of that before they start to really believe it. It does. It does. And and I will put myself into that group too. And And I've been talking a lot recently about how, because those beliefs are so ingrained in us, it, it I don't know if they'll ever go away, but I think it's how... I think what happens now, like when I see, I've had the scale spike that's recently that went up and I'm like, I, I don't like it either. Like, I don't like it. I still get that familiar kick in the gut, but the difference, and it's okay to feel that. And I think we need to put that out there. It's okay to not like that. I mean, I don't know many people that do like it, 
but it's not okay when you let the emotions then drive that car. And that's where people get into trouble. It's, it's now I can feel it. I'm like, yeah, okay. It went up. I don't like this, whatever. I know it's going to sort itself out at some point. It just took longer this time. You know, it took maybe four days to sort itself out instead of the usual two or whatever. But the point is it did sort itself out. So I didn't do anything to drastically change because, oh my God, the scale spiked, right? I just wrote it out. And when you do that and you see what happens, okay, you saw it. Great. You, you saw that whole pattern, do it again. You'll still get the kick in the gut maybe. And it's going to get easier, right? I don't think it's ever going to go away though. I just truly think for that many decades with stuff implanted in you, it's kind of, it's kind you of hard get to, to the point where you're not emotional about it. And where like, you're talking about Susan, you can be logical about it and you can be yeah. like, Oh, yeah. wasn't expecting that, but there it is. I am yeah. now going to do what I was going to do anyway. I'm still going to eat the foods I had planned for today. I'm not going to do extra cardio. I'm not going to like cancel my dinner plans because this gets up or the other extreme, which people go to, which is screw it. This isn't working. I'm just going to eat all the things. Right. And so, yeah. oh yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah, I was the, the punisher. So you can I was get the... to the point where stepping on the scale doesn't lead to that. Yeah. I was that, I wasn't the, I'm not a stress eater. I'm not one of those. I, when I get stressed, my stomach gets into a knot and I don't eat, but when I do overeat, I would, would, I would have been that person that would be the punisher. Like I mm -hmm. would be going downstairs doing a hundred crunches thinking, oh yeah, that's going to do something. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, logically, if you think about it, it's like what, but I would be that person. I, I would do that. If I, if I felt full, mm -hmm. which I was if, when I overate, I would try to work it off and I would do more cardio. I would um, do the crunches, whatever it was. And yeah. I think a lot of people are going to hear that and be like, yeah, me too. I'm sure there's yeah. plenty of people listening who are like, yeah. that's me. That's what I do. Um, Susan, what is a, what is a workout? Like, what does a workout week look like for you these days? Um, four days a week. Um, and it's so funny you asked that today because today is the first day the day one has landed on a Monday for me. And I can't even tell you how long just because of traveling and scheduling and stuff. And I like that. I mean, I'm a creature of habit. So usually at this week, it'll be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and um, Saturday or Sunday. I'm not sure which one it will be. It's one of the two. Those, that's the one variable. But um, yeah, now that we have a bike here, I ride every day. Um, and when I ride, I don't necessarily go hard and do a spin class or anything. I'll just get on and pedal for a while just to move. Um, but once or twice a week, I will do a spin class. And I've really actually enjoyed that. I've enjoyed and that's new for you. It's real new for me. I mean, I did them in the gym years ago, um, but I like having the app and pulling up. I mean, there's classes that are 15 minutes long to over an hour. You can choose. You can choose what kind of class it is, um, you know, and it's been really interesting be because between that and bike sprints that have been on my program recently, my cardiovascular endurance has like improved unbelievably in a short amount of time, That's which fantastic. is fascinating to see. Um, cause I'm not a cardio girl. I don't love it. Um, I like the class thing that makes it more bearable. The sprints. I don't know if I'll ever love them. I weirdly like them now. Um, but I don't know if I'll ever love them. Um, but it's really interesting to see that, that your heart health, how dramatically you can change that mm -hmm. quickly, you know, very yeah. quickly that turns around. Absolutely. Last fall, right before I got sick, I started a running program and it was I remember. to me and I'm, I'm going to tackle that again. Once I'm feeling in a well enough to do that. I'm going to do that later this year. And I was really pleasantly surprised with how quickly um, my cardio endurance um, improved. 
Yeah. Even now, um, having sat on my butt for three months and did nothing, I was stunned with how in the tank my cardio, um, how, how my abilities were. But even just a month, and I've been back, this is week four of my training plan. I've been walking 30 minutes a day and training three times a week. Today's workout was just worlds better than week one. Like I love it. My heart is not pounding out of my chest doing a plank now. Isn't that yeah, crazy? Yeah. Like, Literally four weeks ago, I was worried. I was like, should I call the doctor? Like what's wrong yeah. with me? And when yeah. I did talk to the doctor, he's like, you're just really out of shape now. And I haven't been really out of shape since I started getting in shape seven years yeah. ago. So that yeah. it surprised me, but that can improve uh, really quickly. That must've felt weird for you. Like it was, it was scary. I was like, yeah. I was like, is something wrong? Like I've done four exercises. I literally did one set. So this was the fourth thing I had done that day. And it was a 20 second plank. And like, like seriously, I thought it was going to pound out of my head. My heart was like racing. I couldn't breathe. Um, and now today, you know, the plank is still a little hard for me at 20 seconds, but like the heart rate is like normal elevated. Like, okay, I've just finished. And now I'm doing three sets of everything. So it's three sets of four exercises. And when I got to the end of that third set of planks, I felt normal. So that was, that was encouraging that that's really encouraging. Yeah. Now, Susan, on your four workout days, so you got your bike days, then you got your lifting days, four lifting days. What are they set up like? Um, so lower body, upper body, lower body, upper body. Um, interestingly, my program, we've made a lot of adjustments of late. And so I don't have many exercises. I think today I had four, four leg exercises on leg day. Um, and one core exercise and then the bike sprints. That's a typical you know, length workout. They don't take me nearly as long as they used to. Um, my volume is kind interestingly, my volume is about the same, um, just because of sets and reps, but, um, not a lot of variety. I think people think, you know, you got to have eight to 10 things to do, or, you know, more is better, that whole thing. And it's just not, you know, I think, um, boring, basic stuff, as you know, and as we, as we like to program for our people, it's just that works. And it's just bringing intensity to that and getting better with those. And, and that's kind of what I was doing. And I, I actually posted today, today was leg day. So I, um, deadlifts haven't felt good with me for, gosh, I don't even know how long it's been so long. So I made a big conscious decision months ago. I'm just going to rebuild. I'm going to pretend almost like I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm starting almost from the ground floor. I didn't go back to the ground floor, but pretty close. And I have had so much more fun doing them. I feel like I'm getting stronger now because I've done that because I'm so focused on my technique. Now I feel like I've made incredible strides and everything's feeling easier um, where I am now. So that's been fun. So I, I, I guess as your training plans, you know, before you got sick, we're probably very similar to mine from the perspective of how they're laid out because Jordan writes both of ours. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a, like a major lift at the beginning and then some supersets and then boom, you're done. That's it. And I think that's super effective. You know, it's not the three hours in the gym, you know, it sometimes will take me longer. I'm not, I'm the worst person in the world to ask how long does it take? Because I talk to people and I was thinking about this and I film and people, especially right now, people, people say stuff to me about like how long, um, are my workouts? I'm like, you know what? I, I, they take way longer than they should because the gym is the only place right now where I see people. I was thinking about that when I left. 
And it's like, it's been like this for a long time. Our gyms luckily has been open since probably end of May, beginning of June. And I don't really see a lot of people outside of there. So when I'm there in my midday time with my, the people that I usually know, my gym friends, whatever, I like to chat with them. You know, we have our little distance and we do our little thing, whatever we're supposed to do with all the rules, but I like seeing human beings. So yeah, I take a little longer than I should. Long-winded way of saying that. Don't you think it's <laughs> Don't interesting? I- people are very interested in like, how long does your workout take? Cause they want to know how long should their workout take? And people are very invested in like, how long should it be? But yeah. not nearly as much paying attention to the two things they should be, which is what's my total volume. And more, even more importantly, how intensely am I working? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, when I hear somebody, um, whether it's in the inner circle or one of my clients say, you know, that workout only took me, you know, whatever minutes. And I'm like, well, if that workout only took you that many minutes, you're not working hard enough. You're not working hard enough. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, and, and then, and, and the other thing is, you know, you can half-ass any workout, any workout you can half-ass and you can also make any workout super challenging. It's up to you, right? It's it's about the person and what you bring to the workout, not necessarily what's written on that piece of paper um, or app or whatever. I'm yeah. still a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's really true. You know, I was making a comment about that on my stories the other day when I was showing people my workout, which again, yeah, it's just it's four exercises. And I was at one point doing one set and I was like, you know, wherever you are, you can do this workout with me and make it work for you, no matter how advanced you are, because you will just use heavier weights. You can do some more sets because one set's probably not going to be enough for you, but you guys can add some more sets on and make the weight appropriate. And it can be just as hard for um, somebody who is, was in better shape than I was at that moment. Yeah. So that's the thing about, uh, about a good workout. A good workout is going to be a good workout if you bring to that workout the intensity that you need to. Yeah. And, and to clarify also, because I, I get asked this too, I don't mean you have to do jump, jump squats or jumping jacks or in between sets or anything. It's not that kind of intensity because, you know, so many people think of hit or something like that. It's how focused are you on what you're doing? How much weight are you actually moving in a proper range of motion with proper technique? It's that kind of focus and intensity that you Mm -hmm. bring to it. And I think that that is, is going to be the game changer. You know, are you doing your 10 reps and by number 10, you're like, okay, good. I did it. Or is it number eight, nine, and 10 are struggle to finish? Yeah. There's a big difference. That's what we mean by intensity, guys. We're not talking about my heart rate is up and I'm sweating and I feel like the floor was wiped with me. We're talking like I am where I'm having to really focus to get this weight up the number of reps I'm supposed to and keep yeah. good form and move it through a full range of motion. That's what we're talking about, about intensity. It is so key, way more important than how long was your workout? Oh, uh, way, 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 way more. I, and I think people get hung up with that a lot. Like, like they, they think, well, I didn't sweat that much. Or, this must not have mm-hmm. been a hard enough workout. You know, I don't sweat when I strength train. I'm not a sweater. I've started sweating now when I do these bike things, like I'll sweat at the bike sprints. I will. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll sweat it's sprint class. But if I'm training in the gym, I don't sweat like that. So for me to judge my workout based on that would not be a good way to judge it. Right. Because yeah. it, 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 that, that doesn't matter. You don't chase whether you are sweating or whether your tongue is on the ground when you're trying to leave the gym. In fact, it probably shouldn't be. Um, if you're strength training, um, if you're doing hit workouts or CrossFit, it probably is going to be, you know, I mean, they're just different. Susan, what have been your biggest hurdles? You're in the best shape of your life at 60. What have been your biggest hurdles in getting to that level of fitness? Um, 
the whole, I think, you know, kind of what we touched on earlier is the whole mindset piece of 40, 50 years of thinking a certain way and trying to reshape how you view things like the scale has been a big hurdle. I didn't even own a scale two years ago. That was significant for me. Um, two years ago, that's not that long ago. I, I remember when owned. you bought that scale. I yeah, remember and that. It, yeah. And it, it I mean, so it, it's, it's a constant learning experience. I mean, we're all still, you know, learning. Um, I think the mindset stuff has been the hardest for me and to, to learn to back off and decompress more, just even from a workout perspective and from a business perspective, mm. because I understand working out, you know, I, I was that person that loved to work out every day. And that's what I did for years and years and years. I did like it. I was also afraid that if I didn't do it, I was going to get fat, lose progress, all of that stuff. That was really the, the main reason, but I did kind of like it, right? Like I worked out this morning, um, and, and my legs are tired, but you know, part of me is like, yeah, I could hop on the bike and do a class. No, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I mean, first of all, it sounds good sitting here, right. With my legs, not moving, but as soon as I get on that bike and my legs have to pedal, you know, I mean, that's been the more is better thing has been something that I have mm. had to really come to terms with. Um, you know, when Jordan scaled me back from six days a week to fourth, I was going to lose my mind. And, and that's still, you know, I, I have to be careful with that. Yeah, And you cover the details of that story in the book about how, how, how hard that was for you being a person yeah. who was working out every day or yeah. multiple times a day to being told here are your four workouts. <laughs> like, what am I yeah. supposed to do the rest of the time? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just feel like the whole mindset shift has been the toughest for everything from the scale, from working out so much, um, all those kinds of things. I just, um, and looking back and accepting the fact that I, all those things that I did, you know, and I thought were the right things to do. And I guess that's the thing to hammer home here. I genuinely thought this is what I was supposed to be doing, you know, it, it, and gosh, so many people have written to me and said, I did too. I really, I I'm doing this right now. So many of them are saying that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's this, the mind, mm -hmm. it, it, it's shifting. Mindset. Yeah. Just shifting from former beliefs to, to now what's happening and what works and then how I can help other people with that. I love that. So to the women out there listening to you and they're like this six-year-old woman got in the best shape of her life in her fifties, maybe I can do that. Like she's starting to believe maybe it's not too late for her, but she's like, I have so far to go either. Maybe she has a lot of weight to lose, or maybe she's like you were where she was just really over-exercising or being a super clean eater somebody like with one of those situations and they're like, I kind of believe I could do this. What would be your, your two action steps, two to three action steps? Like, I kind of believe I can do this now and I want to do it. I believe it's not too late. Yeah. I think the first action step regarding nutrition, um, is literally, and I say a piece of paper and I, I definitely mean a piece of paper on this one, um, to write down everything you put in your mouth in the course of a day. Um, whether it's a sip, a taste, a bite, whatever, you don't have to weigh it, measure it. Don't do any of that. Just write it down and have that pad of paper in your kitchen with the pen right there. So you can write it as you have whatever it is in your hand, every sip of water, everything that you put in your mouth during the course of a day, because so many people just aren't aware of what they're consuming. And until you get slapped in the face with that, um, it's, it's hard to, to kind of reconcile that you're overeating, right? It's like, people that tell me, 
you know, my calorie deficit number comes out to 2000. That sounds like a lot. And I'm like, you know, if you're not losing weight right now, you're eating more than that. It's not a lot. I mean, it's not a, as a lot as you think it is, right. you know, it's, it's their perspective. That's all wrong. They, they, they think <laughs> that 2000 calories is a lot, but when you sit down and you plan that sucker out, it's not as an a lot as you think. And, you know, you're going through this cut right now. So, you know, as, be- as well as anybody, you know, you can use up calories really quickly. Mm-hmm. So I-, I think becoming aware of what you eat is super important um, because you're going to start making changes based on that. That's exactly what I did. I'm way back. And that's exactly how Mike lost his weight is just becoming aware of what Mike Susan's son. Yeah. He, he's my son. I guess lost, I don't know, probably 70 pounds. It's something, something like that. Um, and really never weighed never did the whole calorie tracking. I mean, he might've loosely tracked a little bit, but it was pretty much just becoming aware of what he was consuming. Um, so, so that would be one thing. I think the second thing from a training perspective is if you're new to it, just start walking. I think that's where everyone needs to start. And I think people want to fast forward through that you know, and, and not go through that. But I think if you can make walking a non-negotiable every single day, um, schedule it in your day, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15, 20, increase your time as you go, whatever it is, um, do it because you're developing that habit of that something, that active something. And that's, that's where that's got to begin too. And then after that, you could certainly, if you don't have access to a gym right now, you could certainly do squats and push-ups in your house. You know, I mean, by the end of the day, you want to do 50 squats. You want to do 50 push-ups, uh, you know, from the wall, the counter, whatever you can start adding that way. But I think it's got to start for most people with building a habit of this is what I'm doing. And that could be walking, you know? Um, and that's and great advice. Ju- just go out there with a podcast or something and put on the headphones and go, you know? Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast while you're sitting down, get up. <laughs> She's not going to like that. I'm not going to like that either, but that's her message. So get up. Get up. You can't start be listening to this podcast and sitting down. I have had the craziest experience in the past month, Susan. Um, as I was starting to introduce walking back into my life, I walk in the really cold weather. I do when it's cold. I just put on you know warmer clothes and walk, but um, having developed this asthma with my lung condition, I was having asthma attacks outside and my doctor's like, no more walking outside till it gets warmer. And he's like, you can walk in. And so what I'm thinking, like, I can't go every day to like target and walk around. First of all, I was spending too much money. Yeah, (laughs) there's that. (laughs) And also, you know, with, with coronavirus, like, do I really want to be in public that long every day? And so I have had to start walking in my home and it is the craziest thing to spend 30 minutes at a time wandering around your own house. Like, wow. I mean, my hat's off to you for that. It's not, it's not, I do not, I really enjoy my walks outside. Like I love them. I look forward to them. I do not look forward to this. And I break it up into little bits for part of my day. Like I'll schedule into my time. Okay. Now get up for five minutes and walk around the house and talk to clients. But I do have one chunk every day. I walk for 30 minutes and I'm like, oh gosh, shoot me now. But it's working. Like it's the same effect as if I was working outside. I've had to find a television show to watch. I get on Netflix and watch my show to make it more palatable. But no matter where you are, how cold it is, how dark it is, you can, you can make it happen. Oh, absolutely. You just got to be creative. I'm not, I'm not a walk outside girl at all. That's what one reason why I got the bike, um, mm. because I knew I wouldn't be that person. And then I was going to get a treadmill, but then uh, no one else in the house would use it, but the bike, all three of us are getting use out of it. And so that's, oh, that's been, yeah, it's been a much better choice for us anyway. Um, yeah. As you so, were writing this book, did you find 
parallels between writing a book, taking on that kind of project and getting into shape? Yeah, because I, I never, yeah, I'm not a writer. The book is written very simply. Um, so I'm not like a wordsmith kind of person. Um, yeah, I did because I wanted to quit more times than I could count. I feel like this is going nowhere, blah, blah, blah. blah. I mean, that's complete parallel to people losing weight, right? You feel like it's not working for you. You're doing all the work and you, you just don't feel good about it and you don't see the results and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and writing this book was kind of... A, very similar path. I mean, just there are chunks of time where I just put it off to the one side and I just said, I don't even want to do this, you know? And so I kind of left it my maintenance period, perhaps, you know, where I got tired of it and I just left it and focused on other things then would go back to it. Um, that would parallel taking a diet break and going into maintenance and then going back. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. It's a great point. It parallels weight loss in every way, shape or form. You know, I wanted to quit, but I didn't, mm -hmm. you know, and there are times like right now that there are just so many technological things that go on with this writing book that I had no idea. And I'm still putting out some fires. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you all know Kim and I, this is not our strong suit and it's Heck. certainly not my strong suit dealing with Amazon technology and those people at 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I still have a problem that I don't know how to fix, but you know, <laughs> but Susan, I'm coming off of four days of tech, tech struggles here. Like it's going to be the death of me yet. What do you think it is? Like you're a woman who in her fifties and now in your sixties, you've written a book and now you're, you're struggling to like manage the tech piece of doing it. You know, in your fifties, you got into the best shape of your life. You started a business, you put, took that business online and, and grew it. That is really inspiring. And it's a bright light. So many women feel like once they hit a certain age, once they hit middle age, that the best is behind them. How did you steer clear of that tired belief? Like what gave you the gumption, you know, to do these big, big things. Oh, I was a little naive, I think too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let, I mean, on the book piece, I was a little naive, um, with that. Yeah. I'm going to write, I'm going to write a book. Oh my God. Write a book. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I write articles. I write Instagram yeah. posts. Oh, yeah. Let me just write a book. Um, that was eye opening. you know, uh, the, the whole, um, with the physical part of it, I was kind of like, yeah, I love challenges. Bring it on, you know, especially in the gym. If, you know, so I don't know where I got the 45 pound weighted chin up goal that I wanted to do. But as soon as I, and I think it was, I saw this guy in my gym do it. And he was, and he's a man, he was this big, tall, lean dude strapped on 45 pounds. So it was going up and down. I'm like, Jesus, I want to do that. And then it was like laser. Mm, that's, that's exactly what was on my mind. And it took a couple of years for me to get it. And I finally got it. And, and it's so funny once you get something like that. Now, now the goal is I, I want to get, I mean, I haven't done it since I want to get back there. And then I want to try to get two or three reps, you know, of that. So it's kind of, I get laser focused with stuff like that in the gym and nutrition too. If I have, if I want to go back into a muscle building phase, I will, and I will be laser focused with that, with this book. <laughs> that was, that was, yeah, that was, um, I thought I really have a story to tell, you know, I, I, I kind of looked back on things. And when I started outlining the book, I started writing just kind of brain dumping things that people would be able to relate to, I bet. And, um, how that might be able to help them, you know, as I progressed through 
all the changes and how I turned things around. And that was just the driving force. The whole driving force behind this book is if this book can help somebody great, you know, um, yeah, that's the whole premise. Well, we're going to give everybody listening now a chance to win a copy of this book. It. We're going to do a giveaway here. So here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to go to, um, iTunes and you're going to leave a review for the podcast. Look, obviously I want a good review, but if you hate it, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Say what you want to say. Say what you want to say. <laughs> but I don't know that I'll pick you, but <laughs> no, yeah. I'm going to do it randomly. Seriously, whatever you put, leave me a review, take a screenshot of it, DM it to me on Instagram. I'll enter everyone there. It will go into one of those like number counters um, that you know you can do online and I will draw one. It will be random and you can win a copy of Fit at Any Age. So Love it. I held that it up as though amazing. all of you can see it. Just Susan can see it. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do. So if you're interested in hearing more specifics about Susan's story and in the book, Susan, you actually have nutrition guidelines. There's some really good workouts in there as well. So it's an interesting story. It's a memoir of Susan's life, but it's also very practical uh, guidance for you as you are trying to get in shape as well. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it, that, I put the how-to section kind of at the end for a little bit of, okay, here's what you can do to, to apply some things. Um, and, and just some, I think there's like five workouts in there, five short workouts in there to take for a test drive. Um, yeah. So hopefully some gives you hope and, and lets you know that, yeah, you can do it too. I love it. Thanks so much for being here today, Susan. Okay. Everyone listening, leave a review on iTunes, screenshot it, DM me. You'll be entered into um, the giveaway to win a copy of Susan's amazing book, Fit at Any Age. It is never too late. Thanks so much for being here, Susan. Absolutely. Thanks so oh, much. Oh, and for tell everybody me. where they can find you, Susan. Uh, yeah, mostly Instagram, Susan Ebergolf Fitness. Um, it's Susan Ebergolf Fitness. Spell your name. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely have to do that. N I E B E R G A L L Fitness. And that's pretty much everywhere. Yeah. All right. Thanks again. All right. Thanks for having me, Kim. Thanks so much for being here and listening in to the Fitness Simplified podcast today. I hope you found it educational, motivational, inspirational, all the kinds of ational. <laughs> if you enjoyed it, if you found value in it, it would mean so much to me if you would go ahead and leave a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening to this on. It really does help to get this podcast to other people. Thanks so much.